back. James Harden right on target. Big, big George Niang to Paul Reed from Tyrese Maxey. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pick Swap Podcast. My name is Sean Bernard, as usual. Today, I'm here with Sam Giovanni of Clutch Points, friend of the podcast, been on the floor, uh, been on before. Happy to have him back. Sam, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Very excited to be back. There's a lot of uh, good Sixers basketball being played recently, so I'm glad we're on to talk in a more positive time of the season. Running up, they came very close to losing their win streak, but they held on, and now it's at five. Yeah, definitely. Uh, exciting game last night over the Raptors. Excited to get fully into that. Before we get fully into the Sixers mode, we are going to do a little around the NBA and discussion, a little contender, pretender discussion. Feels like we're at the the point in the season where kind of the uh, it's beginning to separate. We're being being able to see which of these teams are kind of legit, kind of are the holes in each of these contenders or theoretical contenders. So I'm excited to get your thoughts. Go around and uh, before we get to the e- uh, Eastern Conference, let's start a little out west. So to start right at the top. Memphis Grizzlies, 19-10. and 10. John Morant looks to have taken his game to another level this season. What do you think of the Grizzlies so far this year? Um, I like them, man. They're a really um, interesting team. They're one of the teams that like I was really interested to see coming into the season because they had uh, given away some of their key guys, most notably D'Anthony Melton. But um, there, was a lot, there was a good amount of range, I feel like, from people thinking about like where they would project. I was listening to a podcast in the offseason that suggested they might be a playing team because they lost some of their key guys. And it made sense given who they lost, but um, I just wasn't sure. I feel like they kind of earned the benefit of the doubt that they can plug in whoever to keep winning. And this season has proved that they're number one right now, it looks like. And obviously Jaws playing great, but they're just getting so many contributions from so many different guys that um, – I think they're a legit contender. They still might need to make a consolidation trade, get another star. But with the way they're built now, um, I think they can match up with a lot of different teams. John is playing like one of the best guys in the league right now. So um, they are young, but the talent is there. So I would say they're definitely one of the contender side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, the return of Jaron Jackson has been huge, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, David Rowdy, a nice additional, a nice plug-and-play guy, huh? courtesy of the D'Anthony Mountain trade, which the Sixers are, are certainly grateful for. So I like this Grizzlies team. They're definitely a little youthful. I think there's a chance that they they come up a little short this year and take a, a punch in the mouth come postseason time just based on their youth and needing to take maybe one more step. But they're building something. And I think most notably, they're kind of building a system where they can plug and play guys in a way that I think is is key to kind of long-term contenders and having that, which I think is, is huge moving forward. Uh, we'll shift gears a little bit lower down the list uh, to the Golden State Warriors, who I think kind of fit that mold of like a, a team that has that plug and play system, but clearly have not really put the pieces together so far this year. Steph Curry suffering a shoulder injury. That's obviously a major concern. Do you think this team can get it together and can contend again this year or is it over for the Warriors run? Um, I think it's not over until it's like truly over. Like they're going through a bit of a rough patch for sure. And their home road splits are like jarringly bad. I wouldn't be ready to count them out just yet. I think they are probably going to look to make some trades. Like like I said, the young guys don't appear to be ready to take on like big responsibilities yet. But, you know, with the you know the five they have of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond, like that's a heck of a team. Still with Looney also. I didn't I didn't realize he set his I think his career high in assists against uh, the Sixers when they played on Friday. He played really really well. So they're still a good team. They're they're the reigning champs and. Maybe their record isn't going to be 
there. Maybe I can see them maybe being one of the top playing teams just on how well they play without staff. But I still think come playoff time, no one's going to want to face them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, yeah, uh, Looney was knocking on triple-double watch against the Sixers. So that yeah. was, he's a fun player to watch. And they do have a lot of those kind of cool niche players. Jonathan Kaminga is another guy I'm a, a major fan of. Uh, it's interesting. I don't think I'm out on the James Wiseman trade. I think he's going to be a guy shipped off uh, for whatever they can get for him kind of at this point. It's been disappointing because I think when looking back at kind of this this dynasty, that's going to be the, the pick that's missed is if they had took like a Lamelo there or another key guy that really could have extended this in a major way. They have Jordan Poole as like a plug and play. But as far as like a, a key guy that they can build around. Like, they're just kind of missing that there. So I think that one's going to – they're going to not look back on finally. But like you said, you can't count out this team until they're officially down. The Steph injury is something to monitor. I know they said they're going to reevaluate it in a couple weeks and get a a more clear timeline of it. But if that's a long-term thing, definitely is going to help. But you can never count them out. So we'll see what the Warriors turn into. Uh, The next team I think has kind of become a little bit of the the darling of the NBA is the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Sitting one and a half games back from the first seed, 18 and 12 record on the season. Zion's obviously taking the court again. That team looks to be meshing. What do you think of the Pelicans so far this year? I like them a lot, man. They were a team that just seemed like one of the more interesting rosters coming into the year. And they're a team that I felt like didn't have a major hole, but didn't have the typical makeup of like a really good team. Like obviously everyone knows everyone knows Zion is super good, but just like the concerns about his injury, how he fit in with the the new pieces, this new identity, but just sitting and seeing this team, man, they look terrific. I saw, I believe he came ahead of Embiid in the ESPN straw poll for MVP, which I thought was interesting. I, I get it. They're one of the top teams. I would still put Embiid over him, but, like, he's going to be an all-star. You know, he's the engine behind their team, and his supporting cast, like, they they make shots, they defend. I really like what they, they have in New Orleans, and I think it's going to be tough to buy them as a contender just because, like, it's their year two of this kind of core, but I feel like they can match up with a lot of different teams. I feel like they can play up tempo. They have enough talent um, creation-wise with Zion, CJ, and Ingram to be good in the half court. And you know that's a pretty good star trio. But then the supporting cast of guys like Trey Murphy the third, Valanciunas, Herb Jones, um, Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, like they just have a lot of guys. So. I would I would buy them as a contender. I don't think it's too early to say that they're that they have the talent to make a run. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm pretty excited about this Pelicans team, and it is going to be kind of a a large leap for them this year. I don't know if necessarily it's going to be a championship caliber run by any means. It might take a little bit of time for that, but they are absolutely moving in the right direction. And like you said, they can win in a variety of ways. Guys like Trey Murphy, super fun to watch. Herb Jones, super cool player. Alvarado always going to kind of be making his little impact felt. So. Uh, very awesome. They're coming to Philly pretty soon, so that's going to be a cool test for the Sixers to see, too. And it's great to just see Zion like back on the court and doing his thing again. It's been too long since that happened, so I'm happy to see that for sure. I am, too, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to touch on Denver Nuggets next. Uh, Jamal Murray back on the court now. Hasn't quite, I think, hit his stride for what they're hoping for yet, but definitely some signs of progress in the right direction for him doing that. Do you think that's the the co-star that, no- that uh, Jokic needs to officially elevate this team to contender status? I think so when he's healthy. I mean, obviously he's been, you know, he's, you know, finally back from injuries, probably going to need more time to find his footing. Totally understandable. I think it's with him and um, with Jokic and Murray, they have such a great chemistry. Either one can be the ball handler or the scorer on any given set. Like I really like the chemistry that they have. I think it's just more so of like figuring out the other pieces around them. I didn't realize how bad their defense is. Like I figured, you know, a team led by Jokic is going to suffer defensively, but they're like, 
really, really bad. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily all his fault. Um, they got to figure some stuff out. They've got some, you know, interesting pieces. I feel like um, I've seen a lot of good stuff about Bruce Brown fitting in with them. They've got, you know, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, um, trade for KCP. Like, and they've got some stuff to um, figure out. I think, you know, if Murray can really get his legs back under him, look like he was more of like the high-level scorer, not like bubble version of him where he was going like completely insane. But if he just gets, you know, you know, little more legs under him i feel like he can but i also feel like they're probably another move away or like a big like uh tweak in how they play away um from being a real contender yeah i agree i have them in the pretender category for now for all the reasons you you uh mentioned and it's kind of surprising how poor they are defensively obviously the Jokic thing and to me that's always kind of the distinguishing quality when we talk about the mb Jokic debate which is a, a conversation for another day we can get fully into for sure but uh like I, when building a team, need my center to be able to be an anchor in a way that Jokic really doesn't do. And uh, it's also like looking at how poor they've been defensively. Like they're, as of two days ago, they were 29th in defensive rating. They're bottom five in a ton of defensive metrics. Like they have guys that that shouldn't be the case. Aaron Gordon's a guy who's a pretty positive defender. Bruce Brown can defend. KCP, a nice 3 and D guy. Like they have pieces where it shouldn't be like that bad. So I'm interested to see what they do. But I agree. I think it's a some sort of move that they need to make or some sort of tweak to kind of rise them up that and a team that I do think has surprised uh two more on the west and then we'll shift out east uh a team that surprised me this year a little bit has been the Phoenix Suns and they kind of still tied with the Nuggets for uh second place in the west right now they're playing better than I think a lot of people gave them credit DeAndre Ayton uh all hurt feelings aside is kind of doing his thing this year what do you think of the Suns so far and are you buying in at all yeah I'm buying in still I feel like the I mean I, they obviously had an offseason from hell with so yeah. many different things and they still don't have Jay Crowder but Looking at how good they're playing now with one of their starters just, like, not being there, like, I'm sure the market for him, like, it's interesting because everyone knows they're going to trade him, but also he's so good that so many teams are going to be in that they could probably get a solid piece in return, probably for the bench, but still, like, looking at how good they're playing now. I was watching them play the Pelicans the other day. Booker was just on a tear. The tough shots he was making. I feel like he was getting a little bit of a friendly whistle at home, but, like, he's still playing fantastic. Uh, Even with Chris Paul not at his, like, super best, the Suns are still a force, so I'm not counting them out until they really start to, like, fall apart. And I thought this offseason would be, like, but they, they weathered the storm. They're looking really good, um, and they've got, you know, at least one potential upgrade coming with whatever they get from Crowder, maybe even more. So, yeah, I'm buying the Suns um, as, a, as a contender. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to keep them out of it for now just because, I don't know, there's something about that exit last year that just being blown out and dismantled in the way that it happened at the hands of the Mavericks, the – 40 point, 35 point, whatever it ended, that just wasn't a game from start to finish. And the Crowder thing is going to be weird. It's going to be strange to see how that comes out. I mean, they obviously have to trade him. He's not coming back by any means for sure. But I'm curious what the market is. There's plenty of contenders that can use him. I'm a Jay Crowder fan, so I would love to see him get moved and see him back on the court for sure. But I don't know. I think this Suns team still needs a little bit of something to overcome that. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Question three, then. Is there anything they can do? I mean, I understand where you're coming from with the way they got absolutely smacked in the playoffs. They like It was yeah. one of the most embarrassing losses in <laughs> basketball history, at least. Is there anything they can do, like, barring, like, some crazy trade that lands them a star, is there anything they can do in the regular season to change your mind, or is it you just have to see it in the playoffs again? Yeah, I think it's more I have to see. It. And that's kind of the issue that I think the Sixers that run into a ton of is, like, it's great. Whatever I see in the regular season, like I got to see it come postseason. And I feel a similar way about the Suns. It's like, 
Like, I remember, I, like, I will not forget that game of how bad that they looked. And that was one of, like you said, the most disappointing performances in really postseason history. So, I don't know. I think they're going to have to prove it when it matters most to me, for sure. And the last team that I want to touch on in the West is something that I think uh, through almost the midway point of the season, we still don't know what to make of. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers. Sitting at 18 and 14, two and a half games back as a first seed. The West is very close as a whole, but Kawhi and Paul George is obviously the biggest question mark. Do you think this team is going to get healthy enough or be able to build enough chemistry to be true contenders this year? Chemistry, I think they can come by. I think Ty Lue is one of those like really, really good coaches in the league where he can make some stuff happen. They obviously have two of the better talents in Kawhi and Paul George. The injury stuff is just like so unpredictable. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't really guess either way if Kawhi is able to be on the court for long stretches um, or not. Like I think they've got the talent to be really good, but they're they're a team that I kind of have to see it all together. And they do have a uh, a really deep team. They have a lot of really good guys. Um, but, yeah, I'm not ready to call them a contender just yet. Like, they obviously have a good record. Um, but I feel like they also have a lot of stuff to figure out. And a lot of that stuff is dependent on health. That is just so unpredictable. So I think they're right on the edge. Like, if they really, like, get healthy and put it all together, I can easily see it. But, like, I want to see it first for for. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think they're going to continue to be the question mark pretty much throughout the duration of the season. I'm going to keep them in the contender category just because we've seen all these guys do it at such a high level before. Ty Lue, I believe in as a head coach and, and doing it on that stage. Uh, Sixers fans are obviously plenty familiar with Kawhi Leonard putting it on at the, the top level. And they have got a ton of guys that I just really like. Reggie Jackson, I'm a huge fan of. John Wall looks to be bouncing back. Happy to see him on a court. And they just like they seem to just constantly be having wings that can play like Norman Powell, Amir Coffey. They're just pulling guys that like can play positive rotation minutes that I believe will translate in the postseason. So it, like I, it's going to be a, an interesting just to watch throughout the season. And health is the biggest key. I will say I haven't been super, I guess, impressed with how Kawhi looked just from a health like the way he's moving. I haven't been very excited by and He's a guy that. Uh, hurt feelings aside I would like to see playing at a high level again so I hope he gets healthy I hope the team puts it together but they're going to be a strange team to watch this year yeah we're going to jump over to the Eastern Conference now I think we can both agree the the Bucks and the Celtics are both firmly in the contender category would you put a leg up to either one of those teams through the early stages I would say Milwaukee I mean it's not a thing like obviously the Celtics got off to a great start kind of falling back down to earth record wise I wouldn't put too much stock in. For me, it's still kind of like thinking back to the playoffs last season where the Bucks took the Celtics to seven without Middleton in any of those games. And he's still working his way back. Um, Joe Ingles is too. Like they've still got some like questions to answer. But no, nah, I really like what I'm seeing from, from both of those teams. I would give the edge to the Bucks, but the Celtics are so talented that, you know, it could go either way. But those two are definitely the, the teams that everyone else is chasing in the East. Yeah, totally agree with that. The Bucks are the real deal. And shout out Brooke Lopez. What a what a career this guy has kind of turned into. Yeah, Legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. Guy just blocking everything at the rim, launching three-pointers. One of the more fascinating career arcs of anyone in really NBA history, the way he's turned yeah. things around. But he's a, a special player to watch at this point, and I love him. So I mean, yeah. it's cool you bring. You have thoughts on that too? Yeah, I love – I would say he's probably my pick for deep point too, especially against the two games against the Sixers. He's just been like – fantastic like him in a drop coverage he just knows like how to cover ground perfectly and he's not like the super like quick guy like i've heard um i think zach Lowe the other day said he would pick jaron jackson jr and i totally get it but brooke like 
doesn't have like the quickness or like the length that Jaron does, but he still makes it work because he's just such a smart player. And the, like you said, the career arc is like almost doing a complete 180 on like his play style and his prime. Um, yeah, hell of a career for him. And he's definitely one of the big reasons him and Bobby Portis off the bench. He's been really yeah. good since joining Milwaukee. So yeah, they, they've got a really good team. Yeah, definitely. And just finding a way to maximize Giannis too, being able to play next to him on both sides of the floor. It's very cool what he's done there and he's a key part of what they got going. So yeah, more a more of a controversial team here we'll start with the brooklyn nets what do you think of the nets so far obviously you can't out a can't count out a team with kevin durant and kyrie irving sitting at 19 and 12 uh through this point in the season what do you think of them um i mean like you yeah you can't count out a team that talented it's all the extracurricular stuff if things start to spiral which like they can at any given moment but they've got a nice winning streak going they're they're 19 and 12 they've been playing really well um as of late, with, you know, as the off-court stuff kind of starts to diminish, they're really starting to put it together on the court. Um, obviously, KD and Kyrie are fantastic. KD's, you know, one of the best scorers ever and is reaching new levels of efficiency. It's just been great to see from him. They've got the supporting cast guys with guys like Royce O'Neal and Nick Claxton. Maybe if you ask Kevin Durant, they shouldn't be the stars because he can't win with them all the time. But it is a solid supporting cast, Ben. Um, I mean, we know the talent he has. He's obviously not looking like his old self completely, or maybe he is, and that's not the greatest thing. But, um, you know, if he ever, you know, if he continues to generate chemistry, find talent, uh, or find the way to play around those guys, um, I I just have such a hard time buying them as a contender because, like, anything can happen on a moment's notice and they can just implode like that. They are one of the bigger boomer bust teams really we've seen, especially amongst like the higher class of teams in the league. So they have the talent to be a contender. Um, I think it's too early to say just now, but if they continue to play this way, I think they will certainly earn that status come playoff time. Yeah. It's uh, kind of similar to the Clippers, but for very different reasons, this is going to be just kind of a team that nobody really knows what to make up throughout. I'm keeping them in the pretender uh, conversation in that category. I just can't buy into how many egos and everything off the court that can happen at a moment's notice. I mean, Durant literally demanded out this offseason and is who is playing at a terrific level this year. So he all credit to him. But I also can't get on board with like putting a Ben Simmons team in the true contender category, especially this version of Ben Simmons. The Sixers have seen the the version of Ben Simmons that comes in playoffs, and this is a worse version of that player. So I just can't wrap my mind around him producing positive basketball in the postseason. And there's just like just too much uncertainty with this team overall. So it'll be interesting to watch. They're not a team I'd be itching to play in the postseason by any means, but I, I don't think I can see this Nets kind of making a true contending run this year. Next up, I want to talk about the Cavs, who I think are a much more fun team to talk about. Uh, I'm excited by this Cavs team sitting at 21 and 11, two games back from the top spot in the East. Do you think they are a contender this year or still just a little uh, not quite there yet? Uh, they're another team that is kind of like they're young, so it doesn't seem like they should be. But, man, they've got the talent. They have such an amazing quartet of young stars to build around. Donovan Mitchell is having a fantastic year. Garland, I feel like, has had some injury concerns, but obviously he's still really good. Mobley, Allen, they obviously have all the talent to be super good on offense, but also really good on defense. It feels like Karis LeVert's kind of having like a um, sort of like the Tobias Harris change that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit where he kind of like that tweener star where he like needs the ball to be effective but obviously Tobias is reverted into like a catch and shoot guy and it feels like Karis LeVert from what I've seen is sort of is sort of turning more into just like a typical role player hustle type of guy you know kind of makes his shots without getting in the other stars ways which is really key um I really like this Cavs team a lot that duo of Garland and Mitchell is so much fun to watch Mobley has 
such a high ceiling to me. I'm really excited to see how his career goes. And I mean, obviously the East is tough with like the top two teams that we said, a team headlined by Kevin Durant, team headlined by uh, Joel Embiid. But like, I can see them making noise this year. I don't think it's too, um, I don't think it's too soon to, to say that about them. Yeah, I agree. I think they're contenders. And there was so much talk this offseason about Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks. And one of the reasons that like I didn't think that made sense for the Knicks was I thought a backcourt of Mitchell and Brunson would just be an absolute nightmare. The Cavs can absolutely do it with uh, Garland and him because of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen behind them. And Evan Mobley specifically, I think, has a chance to be like a generational defender. Like I think he has that type of potential and skill set. He, he does some just brilliant things. Jared Allen also uh, terrific just evolution of him as a player and the things he do. And they, they've just got a ton of great pieces there. And uh, Mitchell is stepping up playing even better than I even expected this year. So I think they kind of got a little bit of it all. And I do think that they're going to be a scary team come postseason and, and make some noise. So exciting team, young team, and one of the more fun teams to watch, I think, this season. Absolutely. Uh, next up, I want to talk about the Miami Heat. And uh, a team been a little cold coming out the gates, uh, sitting at 16 and 15. Jimmy Butler has obviously had his quotes about the disrespect they're feeling and all that. Do you think this is a team that gets it together come postseason time? I wouldn't rule it out, but it really does feel like this team is like missing something. From what I see online about Heat fans, I think they're tired of like the you know reclamation projects. Undrafted guy turns into a role player. Like the consistency they they have, like they only have a few guys that are kind of like reliable from game to game. One of those guys that they try to rely on, Kyle Lowry, is obviously getting up there in age. Not his fault at all, but like they're you know. They've got a set play style. They've made playoff runs before. They still have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. So I don't. I I would be surprised if they're still a contender if they prove to be in the playoffs. But uh, they're another team that I don't think you can like truly count them out. And they're also a team that I feel like is willing to like you know make a big move if they have to. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a lot of um, noise ahead of the trade deadline. But for now, though, with the way they're playing, I would not put them. Yeah, I agree. They would need to make that kind of some sort of big move for me to to lump them up. And I just think they lack the top end talent to to match up with these other teams around the East. And they're another team that I wouldn't be itching to play or wouldn't really love to match up with in the first round. But I just don't think they have that type of whether it be scoring ability or just top end talent both ways. Jimmy Butler is still going to do his thing come postseason. Bam Adebayo is a fine, fine player, but too many holes and guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Kyle Lowry is up there with the top minutes across the entire NBA, which is not exactly what you want for a guy at his age and uh, at this point in his career. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I feel like they have to make some sort of move and, and some sort of change to give themselves a, a chance this year. But as the team is currently constructed, I definitely do not see it. Yeah. And now we'll swing into the Philadelphia 76ers, who is uh, will be our main topic of discussion here. Sitting at 17 and 12, uh, riding a five-game winning streak, the vibes have turned more, much more positive in, in recent weeks uh, over this homestand. So what have you made of the Sixers uh, just kind of turnaround? Do you believe in the way they're playing, or is it kind of more of the, the poor teams that they're matching up with? I mean, I think the poor teams uh, definitely have some part of it, but I think the way that they're playing is very, very promising. Over the last two weeks, they've been one of the best teams on offense. Um, they've really started to turn around with Maxi still um, – injured and I think initially before this especially on that uh very bad road uh stretch it seemed like they were they had they needed Maxi to come save them and get them better on offense but now I think Embiid and Harden are playing very well together consistently they're both doing their thing they obviously have their one-on-one -on -one moments but it feels like that chemistry they have with the the pick and roll and um their ability to like read the defense independently 
feel like it's really clicking. And obviously they will need Maxi to kind of get them into like another gear. Like, it, you know, it's not their fault that they didn't play the hardest teams on this stretch. They don't make their schedules. And they did try very hard to lose games to the Lakers and the Raptors. Um, blowing those leads was uh, quite scary, quite worrisome. Um, so, yeah, I, I very much like the way that they're playing. I wouldn't say that this stretch has vaunted them into contender status, even when they do get Maxi back, it's not like, oh, they're playing so well and they have Maxi coming back. They still have a lot to prove. Um, obviously, like we said, it's going to be a postseason thing for this team. Yeah. But even still, it feels like they're still um, a little bit away from being true class of the East with the Celtics and Bucks. But for what they're doing, they've handled their business in the last five games. And the the Red Turkey Sanchez uh, challenged them to win nine straight. They're ha- they're halfway there with some with a bad Pistons team um, on Wednesday and then kind of uncertain Clippers team on Friday before they hit the road. So we will see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I agree with just about everything you said there. And it, it is going to come down to the postseason for it. But I think there are some super positive takeaways for the long term based on this stretch. And most notably to me is Embiid and Harden both kind of maximizing each other on the court. And it hasn't been this your turn, my turn. It feels like they're both kind of doing their damage, doing their thing. I will say I was a little discouraged by James Harden last night against the Raptors. To me, that's one of the true litmus tests for him on if he does have that kind of separation ability, if he can create. And frankly, he really couldn't last night. He pretty much got swallowed up by guys like OG Ananubi and uh, Pascal Siakam, who are some of the premier perimeter defenders in the league. Like Those are going to be the toughest tasks for him. But those are the kind of matchups that, to me, going into the season, if there was that regained burst, that's what I was hoping to see, that he can still get separations on matchups like that, which I didn't really see. Do you think that this version of James Harden is ready for this team to come help take them over the edge in the postseason? I think so. I feel like I I kind of surmised at the beginning of the season that he was going to start take a step back from being a scorer and let Embiid and Maxi do a lot of the work. And obviously Maxi's out, but that seems to be kind of the trajectory that he's heading. It feels like the lineups without Embiid are always not that great, even with Harden in there. And I feel like, like you said, the separation ability when he's out there with other not as good shot creators as Joel. I feel like those lineups usually don't do as well. Like, and that's kind of tough. Like, obviously he'll have Maxi to help him in some of those situations, I'm sure. Um, and he's got, you know, talented guys like Tobias, D'Anthony, Shake. Um, but yeah, I think he is probably firmly settling into that third star playmaker, table setter more role. And, you know, he kind of revealed this in the um, interview he had with Euron Weitzman that he really is just trying to focus on winning. He understands all the negative perceptions about him, and he recognizes that the championship is what he's missing on his resume. So I do want to kind of believe him when he says that, like, he's willing to, like, you know, sacrifice, willing to step back. And I think the chemistry with Joel is a big thing because that's going to, you know, help him separate from defenses, that pick and roll. And then Joel either going into the short roll, going to the rim, popping back out. Um, I mean, I don't think old Harden is coming back. I think the injury concerns will linger with him, especially with his hamstrings. Obviously, he just missed a month. But I, um, I've i been more encouraged than discouraged with Harden. Obviously, he's not going to revert back into the star he used to be. But he's been at least what we expected, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. I'm Overall, I'm still pretty positive on how he's looked this season. And I will say I think he's one of the more misunderstood stars around the NBA. I don't think he's a guy that's like a locker room issue or a bad guy. I think he genuinely has his heart in the right place and wants to win and is doing what he believes will translate to winning in the best way. And there's moments where it oversteps, such as that Rockets game where he kind of, we saw the downside of the hero ball and him trying to take a little too much. And maybe we give him the free pass for him being in Houston, having his little homecoming there or whatever. But yeah. for the most part, I do think he's been very good. And uh, 
his biggest role on this team is as a playmaker. And as I talk about like him not creating separation, this the Raptors game was also one where I think we saw the glaring like the what why the Sixers are missing Tyrese Maxey. And I think his change of pace, having his downhill ability, that changes the outlook of that game. And they obviously still found a way to win it. So I think that's super important. The story of the the night last night was definitely Tobias Harris, though. And I, I do want to make sure we give him his shine. A guy who talking about sacrifice and fitting in for the team, you can't get much clearer of a picture than Tobias Harris, who has pretty much changed his shot diet entirely this year to be a catch-and-shoot guy, one of the most efficient guys in the NBA as a 3 and D guy. Hasn't been his natural play style throughout his career. Talk a little bit about what Tobias is bringing to this team and just how awesome he's been. Man, he deserves his flowers so much, man. Yeah. The, the the criticisms about his game in the past were well-warranted. He was a ball stopper. He didn't have the most efficient shot diet, and the contract was more so the fault of the Sixers putting themselves in that situation. Like, obviously, he's going to go for – as much money as he can. It's not his fault that he's overpaid. And I don't know if there's a point where he will play so well that he'll like justify that, but he is doing everything he can. He's shooting more of a shot from three than ever before. And he's more efficient from three than ever before. He is true to his word. Like he said earlier in the off season at media day, he changed his game. He's willing to take those catch and shoot threes. And he was huge yesterday, hit some big threes um, in fourth and overtime one of which was unfortunately negated by a foul but his shooting has been so important and you know he's really buying into um his role as a supporting cast guy not as one of the lead ball handlers which is exactly what the Sixers have needed um he is shooting very efficiently he's not afraid at all to take those shots and I think that's a huge part of their offense, but he's also been able to play through injury. He's been willing to switch back to being more of an on-ball creator, like the stretch where the three guys were out all at the same time. Um, he's, you know, helping out on defense. He's not the world's greatest defender, but I feel like he does buy in and he does what he can on that end as well. I've been very pleased with what Tobias has been doing. And I think, you know, Sixers fans are starting to come around and recognize it. It doesn't remove what he did in the past, you know, but you can't change that. All you can do is if you can focus on what's happening right now, Tobias is doing that. He is taking a step back, literally more behind the arc, shooting more, doing what the team needs of him. Um, I love seeing fans starting to give him that respect. He was obviously one of the like least popular players over the past few years, but now I think fans are really starting to to recognize that, and he should. He's putting in the work, and it's not just you know the fact that he's hitting more shots. He's really changing his shot diet, like you said, so big credit to him, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's playing himself into the exact type of player the Sixers need in the role to maximize everybody, which hasn't been himself. And I'll say last night specifically, Tobias Harris was underpaid. So I was happy to see that. And uh, he's a sharpshooter now. That quote was so I didn't see that because that was on TV, but that was a fantastic quote. Yeah, that was absolutely awesome. And I love it. I love that he's getting a little bit of his swagger back, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He seems more confident in himself and just kind of having that like, I'm that guy mentality, which that's what we need from him. And I'm happy to see him playing with that confidence because this is the type of situation that really could wilt a player's comp, uh, com- confidence. And as far as being asked to take a step back, to hand over the keys to the offense to to other guys, that doesn't seem to be bo- bothering Tobias by any means. And it's awesome. So uh, as far as all the complaints about Tobias in general, they've all been way more about the Sixers than about Tobias specifically. The contract was something the Sixers offered him his fit was they brought in these other guys too. It's like you're asking him to do something that's not necessarily him or ever really has been him. So he's always been a guy who's put him, put the team first, done whatever's necessary, been a, a model on and off the court. So I'm happy to see everybody rallying around him. Uh, and it's just awesome. Uh, I guess to shift gears a little bit, 
So lining, lining up a, aside from him is P.J. Tucker. And there's been a, a ton of conversation about Tucker amongst the Sixers fans as well. Do you think he's starting to find his stride on the Sixers team or is there still kind of, I don't know, underwhelming, I guess, expectations? I think he is definitely underwhelming expectations a bit. I think when he, to to play that stretch where he scored like, what, three points in like eight games, that was yeah. not good. Initially when that happened, I was like, okay, he's a guy that doesn't really shoot. A shooting slump for him is zero points over X amount of games because he does he takes like two, three shots a game. So, and he's just missing them. Like he doesn't get in anyone's way. He takes shots when they're open. They're fine. But now I think the you saw it a lot against the Cavs and against the Rockets where teams are starting to treat him like a non-shooter. And I think that's starting to be a real problem there. It feels like he needs so much more space now to fire away from three. Um, and I think that's a bit worrisome. Defensively, no concerns. Like it is a bit concerning that he's playing a lot. Um, that's obviously not his decision. That's Doc's. But on that end, he's given everything, you know, the switchability. He's fighting on the boards, being aggressive, taking on whoever the team needs him to. No complaints there. Offense, like now that Harden is back and he's you know, still not looking like a, a key guy on offense, like they don't need him to do much. They just need him to take open shots. And it feels like when someone closes out on him hard, he won't shoot it. And then I don't think he has the ability to go by them and get that floater anymore consistently. So that's really starting to be. Uh, problem maybe there's something else you know obviously they don't need him to score even 10 points tonight they just need him to take those open shots keep the defense honest and I I wouldn't I can't say really what it is but I think he's got to maybe it's a confidence thing maybe you know whatever it is I think he's got to get back to a point where he's shooting confidently making the right pass like he usually does I wouldn't say the complaints I have like him the complaints I have him are too much, but he definitely has been underwhelming um, more as the as the season goes on, sadly. Yeah, uh, the thing I'll say about Tucker is more so than anyone on the Sixers team is going to be make or break the perception of him is what happens in the postseason. If he gets hot, knocks down a stretch of corner threes in the in the playoffs, all will be forgotten about this year. I also think like a lot of the issues are him simply being asked too much, specifically defensively, like. He's being asked to go from Kevin Durant to Giannis to Jason Tatum to like these guys that it's like, don't get me wrong. I get he was brought in for his defense, but these are some tall asks you're asking from a 37 year old guy who's has a ton of miles already on his body and is putting a ton more this year. So I think one of my concerns about this team as a whole is just the, the damage being done on each of their bodies. We got James Harden leading the league in minutes, Joel Embiid playing career high minutes, Tucker just playing 30 plus a night on the regular. I get like, it's still early in the season, and most of these guys have missed some time, so it might be as well as the overtime game. So the numbers might be a little inflated. But do you think there's a concern with just like the amount of miles that each of these guys are playing? I think so. Yeah, I think that's something that Doc. I mean, it, it is kind of tough because I don't think the Sixers have like the best bench, and obviously Maxi, the key guy, isn't playing right now. He's one of the key youngins that you can like rely on to play heavy minutes, and he obviously hasn't been there for a while. But yeah, that is something I think that um doc is going to have to look into and really start to consider like i wouldn't i don't think any of the i mean i'm not even going to guess not a doctor i'm not going to try to guess how many injuries this season have been caused by playing too many minutes um most of the guys have had injury concerns in the past is what it is but i do think for a team especially one that's considered to be you know where they are they make or break in the playoffs um i do think doc is going to have to change his rotations a little bit and maybe he's just trying to you know you know, it is still early in the season, and um, at least 
I, I think they have the time to find the chemistry, but Doc is always adamant with the injuries too, that they're still trying to find their, their rhythm together as a team. Um, so maybe he is just trying to like get them to a level before he'll start to like to, um, get their dip their minutes. And part of it, I think like if they can establish higher seating in the East, like if they were playing their key guys less minutes, they wouldn't be as competitive. They might be closer to playing territory than where they are right now. So I think that might be part of it, but yeah, the minutes thing is, it's something you don't want to like test out. It's something you want to just like play it safe, especially with how old this team is. Yeah, it's something that it's all good until it's not, and until there's that like that break or whatever. And uh, for Harden specifically, is I guess the guy that I have the the biggest issue with, like uh, le- leading the league in minutes at at his age and at, with the like lingering injury issues. It's just crazy to me, specifically coming back from that issue and for doc to talk about how he's on a minutes limit and then to go play him 40 plus against the rockets yeah. and i get it, it was a double overtime game you're trying to win but it's still like we got to have the big picture in mind here and sometimes i think that gets lost in in doc's mind and trying to win each individual game which don't get me wrong is important but there just has to be like the games that are, are going to matter is come postseason so making sure these guys are ready so something i definitely would like to see scaled back over uh the rest of the season for sure uh I wouldn't mind a load management game against the Pistons tomorrow. And these are games that like the Sixers should be able to to handle without. And like you said, the maxi injury makes it difficult because that's a guy who you'd be leaning on as a primary player that like if he is healthy and giving those guys rest, but they have to find a way to beat these lower level teams without their stars. If they want to be the the true contending and complete team that the perception of them that they want to be. So I guess to, to talk about some of these players that we expect to step up, at the top of my head pops off as D'Anthony Melton right away, who's been absolutely awesome. Talk about Melton a little bit and the other bench guys that you think have made a positive impact so far. Yeah, Melton is sadly coming off a rough game. Like, he did not take any bad shots yesterday by any means, yeah. but just seeing him continually miss, I'm like, ah, oh, man, that's tough. And he's still, like, he, he saved his mix for the fourth. He had some some great plays. So, obviously, that one game is not enough to shake me on Melton. He's been Every as good as advertised um, for the Sixers, deep like he really is, Mister Do Everything. He does yeah. so much for them. It, it's been very fun to see him, you know, come in and out of the starting lineup. I feel like he's been definitely one of their key guys, and he might be someone that I think you know maybe you want to save PJ or Tucker, slide him in the lineup. Like I feel like he can. I think we might have talked about this in the off season. He can kind of guard forward. He can play down with Maxi and and Harden with Tobias as the forward and you know Embiid at center. Um, or he can step in as a guard. I, I really like what I've seen from him so far. Uh, George Niang, too. It's not just the shooting, obviously. Uh, you know, bang, bang, George Niang, the minivan. He, his shooting has been key. Um, but I really like how he attacks closeouts, too. He's got a bit of that, you know, slow-mo attack to him. He's got enough control. He's not going to blow by anybody, but he's got that control um, where he can, you know, at least try to get a shot off. Um, defensively, you know, he's someone that you would look at and like question if they can play in the playoffs, but he tries on that end. He contests shots. He's doing really good getting the two, you know, hands up and contesting. I, he definitely puts in the effort and I don't think he's been like, they don't bleed points when he's out there. So I feel like he's been mostly fine. Um, the backup center spot is so hard to nail down because doc seemingly goes like five games. It's Paul five games. It's Trez back and forth, whatever. Um, I would definitely lean Paul over Trez more. I think, Especially in the the road trip, more beginning of this homestand, I feel like Paul is really starting to you know come together. He obviously has his bad moments, but someone that um, you know erratic, someone still trying to you know he still doesn't have like a full season of NBA ball under his belt, so yeah. he's still trying to figure some stuff out. And I do kind of wish Doc would let him play through his mistakes more. But um, 
yeah, those three and obviously Shake um, kind of lost in the shuffle beginning of the year. But once he was called on, he stepped up big time with some unbelievable games, really getting them through a tough stretch. They were playing really competent basketball because of him with their stars out. And I feel like he, you know, showed Doc, like he demanded playing time with his um, with how good he was playing, putting up legit all-star numbers against bad teams, but still helping them a lot after not playing that much in the beginning of the year. So, you know, the Sixers bench going to be, you know, it's it's tough, obviously, again, Maxi out, one of the guys has to step up. They're leaving them a bit shorthanded. But those core guys, I feel like if you go into the playoffs with that, you're fine. I think you're still one guy short of being, like, more confident, but they do have some really nice options. And more often than not, with the guys I just named, I've, I've liked how yeah, totally. The The reemergence of Shake's been awesome, playing his best basketball in years, really. And to me, the, the biggest things that have stood out is, A, just that, like, Doc has talked about this a lot, but just that, like, head down, go and just push the pace, get to the rim in a way that he really hasn't, and B, just doing other things in addition to scoring. For so long, the reputation of him has been kind of like a microwave scorer, but that's kind of like, if he's on, that's great. If he's not, he doesn't bring anything. He's doing other things on the court now. He's playmaking a little bit. He's getting rebounds, playing good defense in a way that like contributes to winning, which I think is huge. And I do think he's earned a spot in this rotation, even when the team is fully healthy. And the backup center conversation is so interesting, so frustrating, and so hard to to read. I will say Montrezl Harrell showing signs of life that he hasn't all season these past couple games, a little bit of a burst in his legs. He's blocked a couple shots, making a, a little bit of an impact felt. So happy to see at least improved play there. But the frustrating part to me is still, we know that Montrezl Harrell is not a viable backup option come postseason time. Paul Reed has shown signs of being that guy. So let's play through him. Let's let him work through his mistakes because Paul Reed also has has shown signs of progress. There's been moments this year where he looks just like a little more like normal on the court. And like he kind of has taken some of the unnecessary things out of his game, shown a little bit. So I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Paul hasn't played in, a, I believe, five games now, something like that. So yeah. I don't know. Do you think there's going to be a, a him go back to Paul soon, or is it just going to be one of those uh, a guessing game for the rest of the season? I feel like it is more of a guessing game. Like uh, the obviously a lot of the conversation when Harold was signed was, "Well, great, there goes Paul's minutes." But the the optimal way to use them was to go matchup by matchup. And like you said, Treads has been doing um, you know pretty well recently. He had a really nice stretch um, last night. That bench unit they kind of struggled at first, but then they figured it out. And Treads came through with some key baskets and that really impressive block. Um, but yeah, it feels like there's like times where you know you might need more of a uh, creator uh, someone who can you know handle the ball more someone who has more experience being a scorer and that's Trez or you might need someone who can switch a lot and that's Paul but it feels like Doc just kind of like picks and chooses and like lets guys lets them go for like a few games at a time regardless of what the opponent like Doc said this yesterday and if you guys you know it's not like just him but that the Sixers worry about themselves and not necessarily their opponent I think there is some room at least for something as you know um small as the backup center spot to try stuff out, especially early in the season, like, you know, use different guys. Like it's okay. I feel like if they miss one game at a time, as opposed to like not being in the rotation for handfuls of games at a time. So that is one of the things I think doc could, that could do that would help the team is, you know, and himself like trying to figure out more. So like seeing how they work through their trouble, because obviously Paul gets himself in foul trouble and that's frustrating, but also Trez, I feel like he's someone that on a new team with, you know, not the same athleticism he used to have should be able to find his way so that he can figure out how to be an impact um, 
guy when he doesn't have, you know, his best um, athleticism when his best days are behind him. So I, it, it is really like there's a lot of ping pong that I don't think has to happen with the backup center spot. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to watch throughout. Last question here, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, we talked a, a lot about the Anthony Mountain already, but I've seen so much. And for the, the problems that we've kind of talked about with the Sixers in the past, the lack of athleticism, lack of ball handling, three-point shooting, Anthony Mellon's kind of the answer to all of these things. I feel like there has to be a way to keep him with either the starting lineup, closing lineup, however you want to phrase it. Do you think that they would go too small going three guards? Is there a chance that he gets the nod over Maxi at times, uh, maybe over Tucker? Do you think there's a way that Anthony Melton stays in this like closing lineup, best Sixers lineup? Absolutely. I feel like Doc, he's really, you know, showing Doc what he can do. He's doing, you know, he like I said, Mr. Do Everything. It's one of my favorite nicknames on the team, and it really is <laughs> emblematic of what he can do. It is a good one, like especially on defense. Like I feel like he is by far the most reliable point of attack guy. The way he gets himself into passing lanes, keeping his hands active, um, contesting shots, like he just does a lot. And I think that. Like you said, you could sub him in with just about any guy you want because he can do so much. He's, you know, one of the, you know, better athletes on the um, on the team. I think that going, you know, in the starting lineup, I'm not too sure of. Um, but I feel like at least closing lineup, he's someone that you can plug and play just about anywhere. And I feel like Doc knows that, you know, D'Anthony does play a good bit. He's... Um, fifth on the team in minutes just past PJ but you know he really is like someone that you can depend on to play starter level minutes and get a lot out of so I think that it's something that should vary game by game because it depends on like what the other guys are doing but that's one of like the probably the big the greatest thing about the Anthony is he can do so many different things he can create he can shoot and spot up he's a great passer great defender obviously very versatile so I think there definitely is a, a spot for him and the great thing is is there's so much it's not like He's a direct plug and play guy. Take like Shake, for example. He's not going to sub in for PJ. Um, he's not going to sub in for somebody else. DeAnthony, like, obviously, you're giving up size, but you're gaining a great um, defender who can guard, you know, just about anyone he needs to. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a spot for DeAnthony, maybe not to take over as a starter, but to at least be the first guy that gets called up and someone that will play starter minutes. Yeah, t- I totally agree. And I, I want to see him on the court just about as much as possible. And uh, specifically to touch on the defense real quick is Matisse Thibel gets a ton of praise for his kind of ability to just disrupt uh, other teams defensively with the way he gets in pass lane, gets his hands. It feels like to me, DeAnthony Melton does a lot of the same things, but he doesn't put the Sixers at risk as much. Like sometimes Thibel will get burned by kind of like going for their all or nothing steal or trying to jump a passing lane. Melton seems to have this kind of knack for like still managing to get his hand in there or in the mix without like losing his his guy or losing his mark or just without putting himself or the team in a bad position, which is something that is super intriguing to me. And I just really love him. He's been, to me, the highlight of his offseason for sure. And uh, I'm thrilled with everything that he's brought to this team. So overall, some positive vibes. Glad we're a little more upbeat about the Sixers uh, on this one for sure. And uh, Sam, I appreciate you for signing on. Uh, let everybody know where they can reach you at. And uh, thank you once again. Thank you, man. You can reach me at uh, by Sam Giovanni on Twitter, writing about the Sixers for Clutch Points and there, all the practices, home games, stuff. Um, hoping that the um, the win streak continues. We will see where that ends up. Sean, thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure, Sam. Make sure to check out. He's got an awesome article on the B-Ball Paul out the mud hoodies, which is great. Uh, great yeah. stuff there. 
and all his other written work on clutch points and stuff. So awesome follow, perfect six for guys. Thank you guys for all watching. Make sure to drop a like and subscribe if you have not already, and I will talk with you next.